those who don't know me, my name is Michael, and uh, from the U.S., my wife and I moved here 22 years ago um, to, uh, to work with young people in Young Life, and we're excited about it. So I was preparing to speak today, and I asked my family, I have three kids, they're not here today because they didn't want to hear me. No, I'm just kidding. They have some friends getting baptized at another church, so they're off seeing their friends get baptized. But I asked them, what would you want to hear at Easter, if you were hearing, you know, me speak. And so my son, this is such their personalities, right? My son, MB, said, I want it to be happy. I want to feel good after the talk. That's what I want. I'm like, okay, that's good. Maddie, my eldest, says, I want some, some real new insights. I want to hear some things I've never heard before. I'm like, no pressure. Thanks. Thanks for that, Matt. McKenna said, I want free chocolate. <laughs> I was like, that's McKenna. I want some free chocolate. And uh, then Beth Ann, I was like, Beth Ann, what do you want? She goes, just want to hear about Jesus. Isn't that good? That's good. So I'll try to do as many of those as I can. I think we've already done the chocolate, so, so um, we're one for four so far. So um, have you guys ever been like, Think about the time you were the most scared in your whole life. I mean, like crazy scared, like so scared you're like, I'm not sure I can do this. If I do this, I may die. I don't want to do this. This is scary. So I had this moment about 23 years ago. I was discipling these four young men, and I had been with them for two or three years, and uh, they were going to graduate from high school. And so I got together with them every Thursday night for Bible study, and I said, hey, we need to do something to celebrate your graduating from high school and our time together is coming to an end. So the following Thursday, they get there, and, they, and I say, have you guys thought about it? Like, yeah, we know exactly what we're going to do for our celebration. I'm like, what is that? They said, we're going to jump out of an airplane. And I said, and what is plan B? And they said, no, no, not only are we jumping out, but we've already booked it for Saturday. I'm like, wait, this is Thursday. You're talking about Friday. They're like, yes, Friday, Saturday. We're going on Saturday. Oh, my goodness, people, I was scared. Because I just had pictures of the shoot not opening, and then that's it. You know, that's a long way up. So um, that, I'm... That Saturday morning, I get up. We drive about an hour. We're in Texas. It's flat as a pancake. We get there, and here's what they don't tell you, right? You go to jump out of an airplane. Um, It's a tandem jump, which means you're attached to another person. There's no training. There's no preparation. You stick the suit on. You get in a plane, and you go up. So we get there, and the guys say, oh, by the way, Michael, you're first. (laughs) What is happening to me? So we get there, and I'm like, I'm first. They're like, yeah, you're going first. I'm like, okay. So within 30 minutes of arriving, I am in an airplane 10,000 feet up, 30 minutes after we got there. But I don't want to tell you any more about it. I want to show you. So check this out. <laughs> and I will never do it again. Holy moly, I was scared out of my mind. But here's what happened. Here's the cool thing, right? You're scared. I don't know if you guys noticed. I was gripping 
the doorway, and Larry had to yank my arms down because <laughs> I was not going to let go. He knew that that was what was going to happen. I was so scared, but then I got up there, and I realized, number one, the guy I'm with, he knows what he's doing. He's done it hundreds of times. The guy that was videotaping us um, uh, had set a Guinness World Record for the number of jumps in a 24-hour period. These guys, they were experts. They knew what they were doing. And when I realized that I wasn't going to die, I started having fun. I started enjoying myself, and I enjoyed the ride. And then we fell from 10,000 feet to about 4,000 feet in like 45 seconds. And then, I know, then the chute went out, and then we floated for I don't know how long for the rest of the way down and perfect landing right in the little circle you're supposed to land in. Larry knew what he was doing. It was awesome. So um, I tell you that because this story, the Easter story starts with the disciples scared to death, right? So they've arrived in Jerusalem. There's a party. People are excited. They've got the palm branches out, but things change as the week goes on. Things begin to get a little darker, a little scarier, right? And then uh, Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus is then arrested. The disciples scatter. They're in hiding. Jesus is taken to trial. He's beaten. And then ultimately he's crucified, which is the most protracted and humiliating death that the Romans could come up with. It's the worst death imaginable. And the disciples feel defeated. They're like, it's all over. Everything we thought was going to be amazing is done. Now, Jesus had been telling them over and over again, I'm going to die. It's going to happen. I need to die, but I'm going to be back. But for whatever reason, it was like they forgot that part, right? And they're scared out of their minds, and they're not sure what's going to happen. But think about this. Just two months later, 60 days later, less than 60 days later, something has changed dramatically that the disciples are now standing up in front of thousands of people in Jerusalem, and they're preaching, right? Pentecost happens. Peter goes and does a sermon, and it says 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus. And then he does another one not too long after that. 4,000 men come to faith in Jesus. Jerusalem wasn't that big. Jerusalem was about 100,000 people. It's about the size of St. Albans, right? But then there were loads of other people in town. There was like maybe 250,000 people in Jerusalem at this point from all across the nations. And Peter is standing up and he's preaching. There's people there from Libya and Egypt, and Saudi Arabia, and Turkey, and Iraq, and Iran, and all over representing these different countries, and they're all hearing Peter's sermon. What's happened in two months? What happened from the Friday where they thought, this is done, we're over, to two months later where they're standing up in front of everybody and they're talking about Jesus? Well, what happened is Easter. What happened is why we're here today. Let me read this to you from Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, which was the Saturday, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, it was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. You ready? He's not here. For he has risen. It says that in all four of the Gospels, by the way. He's not here. He has risen. Right? You can be animated. You can amen. You can clap. You can do whatever you want to do, right? You can be excited. He's not here. And then, not only, they run to the tomb and they're like, where's Jesus? The women come back and they grab the disciples and the men and the men go running and they're like, where is he? Where is he? And then he appears to them. And for the next 40 days, Jesus shows his face. And even Thomas, doubting Thomas, says, I won't believe until I see the scars in his hands and his feet. And so Jesus shows up and he walks up to Thomas and he goes, stick your fingers in. Go ahead. And Thomas falls to the ground and he says, my Lord and my God. And he begins to worship Jesus. You see, what happened was the disciples who were scared suddenly saw Jesus and they got it. The same way I got it on the airplane, they got it. This guy knows what he's doing. This guy knows what he's talking about. He told us he was going to die, and he told us he was going to come back, and he did, which means everything else he said, everything else he promised, everything else he taught us is true. It's true. It's real. And it changed everything for them, right? They see him, and they see that he's real, and then they get it. They get it. We thought we were going to die. We're not going to die. Jesus has punched death in the face. Right? He kicked death's butt. He said, sit down, be quiet. I'm here now. You're done. He punched jealousy and anger and pain and hurt in the face. He said, I'm here now, the life. I am the truth. I am the way and I am the life. Life is here now. That's what happened on Easter, and they saw it. They experienced it. The disciples saw Jesus in his fullness, and they got it. He knows what he's doing. We don't have to die. We get to live. The Apostle Paul said it like this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the life of a Christian. We see Jesus, and we go, that is life. He is life. He doesn't bring life. He is life. And when we trust him, when we follow him, we receive that life. Right? So he sees them. He spends all this time with them. But then something else happens. He is about to leave at the beginning of Acts 1-8, and he looks at the disciples. They're gathered up on a mountaintop overlooking Jerusalem so they can see Jerusalem. They're on the Mount of Olives, and they're looking over the city, and here's what he says to them. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, 
throughout all of Judea and Samaria and to the utmost parts of the world. Right? That's what he tells them. He's prophesying over them. He's telling them what's about to happen. And this verse is a template for the rest of the book of Acts. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to receive power. The next thing that happens is they receive the Holy Spirit. Right? They wait, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and God's power is in them to do amazing things. Right? Peter gets up to preach, and these people who are responding to his preach can hear it in their own language. They're from all over the place, and they're hearing it, and they're going, wait a second. I'm from Egypt. I'm hearing this in my language. I'm from Libya. I'm hearing it in my language. I'm from Turkey. I'm hearing it in my language. I'm from Iraq. I'm from Iran. I'm from Saudi Arabia. I can hear this in my language. And God's spirit is moving. And by the way, that same spirit, when you decide to follow Jesus, comes to live in you. The same spirit. Right? So they get empowered by this And then he gives them a bigger vision than they've ever had before. They thought Jesus was there for the Jewish people. He's here to be the Messiah of the Jewish people. And God says, by the way, I love the whole world. For God so loved the entire world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. The power of the gospel is for the Jew and the Gentile. It's for every single person. He says, listen, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem which, again, is like the size of St. Albans, Judea and Samaria, which is like Hertfordshire times four. Huge area. He says, you're going to be my witnesses there, and then you're going to go throughout the whole world. Got it. They saw that what Jesus said was true, and it changed their life forever. Forever. That's Easter, Right? I think that's pretty powerful, isn't it? They went all over the place, and probably more places than we even know. When I was um, a kid growing up, I was was always a little, I don't know why, I was just scared of death, of maybe dying. And I grew up going to church, but I remember praying, Lord, if I die, please take me to heaven. That's what, that was a regular prayer that I would pray as I would go to sleep at night. Lord, if I die tonight, please take me to heaven. Because I wasn't sure. I was trying to be good. I was going to church, trying to do all the things you do. But I wasn't sure. And then one day, I heard a sermon from a guy. I was actually 21 at this point. And he said, do you want to be sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus? And I just thought, yes, I Yes, I would like to be sure of that, right? And so he said, it's not that difficult. It's simply surrendering your life, placing your trust in Jesus, death on the cross that's paid for your sin. It's just simply saying, I'm in. I say yes to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I'm giving you my life. I didn't have all my questions answered. I didn't know loads, but I knew enough. I knew that I wanted Jesus, that I wanted to know I was going to spend eternity with him, right? And from there, I continued to follow Jesus and continued to follow him to this day. And I lost my fear. And I began to realize everything he said was true. 
He knows what he's doing, and I can trust him. So here's my question for you today. If you're sitting in this room, maybe you're a young person, maybe you're an old person, maybe you're a middle-aged person. I went to see the doctor this week, and she called me middle-aged. Thank you. Appreciate that. Sometimes I feel very middle-aged. Maybe you're a middle-aged person. It doesn't matter what your age is. The point is this. Do you know that you know that you know that Jesus got you? That you're one of his? Do you know that? When we pray to God and we talk to Jesus, we're not talking to somebody who used to exist. We're talking to somebody who's alive right now and who loves you perfectly right now. That's the power of Easter. That's the power of the resurrection, that he is alive. So my question is, do you want to follow him? Do you want to give your life to him right now, just like I did when I was 21? I'm going to say a simple prayer. We're going to shut our eyes, and I'm just going to say a simple prayer. And if you want to say today, I'm in, I trust you, Jesus, let's go, then you have a chance to do it right now, just like I did when I was 21. So let's do it. Everybody, let's, let's close our eyes. Just repeat after me in your mind these simple words. Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I choose you. Amen. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I choose you, Jesus. I give my life to you. Amen. 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 If you decided to do that today, maybe for the first time, I just want to make sure you tell somebody before you go today. I want you to let somebody know, hey, I did this thing. When I did it, they uh, asked us to come down to the front of the church. I'll never forget, they asked us to come down to the front of the church and pray with them. And so I, I was, it was, there was like 2,000 people in this church, and I ran from the back of the church to the front of the church to pray. And I was 21, and everybody else up there was like 12. And we were all still the same height. And that was fine. I didn't care. It helped me blend in a little bit. But I wasn't ashamed. And the next Sunday, I got baptized. Because I wanted the world to know I decided to follow Jesus even as a 21-year-old. So here's the challenge for anybody here. If you decided today, Easter Sunday was your day, I want to follow Jesus, I'm giving my life. Don't walk out of here without telling somebody. Let somebody know so we can help you on this journey. Okay? It is a real privilege to get to preach on Easter. Guys, you don't have to be scared anymore. Death has been defeated. It's been kicked in the face. Jesus is alive. God is good, and you are loved. Thank you so much for letting me be here today.